Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen. Well, praise God um, to be in the house of the Lord today as we continue our study on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. I will read it and then we'll focus on one of the verses for today. So verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who debt against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this, this sermon series with verse 9, and we, t- we just talked about the importance of prayer and the importance of praying the Lord's Prayer. As Jesus told us, when you pray, pray like this. It was one of his commands. And uh, a lot of times we miss it and take this uh, instructions and directions for granted when he was like, hey, no, really, pray like this. Um, so it was just important, and we talked about how, how intimate it is that it starts off with our Father, that this reminds us that we are family, that we are together as a body of Christ. There's no separation, that, that our Heavenly Father is there for all of us, and we are His children when we have uh, that relationship with Him through Christ Jesus, through the sacrifice uh, on the cross. And we talked about His holiness Hallowed be their name, how holy he is. So we should, when we come to the throne, we can't come to the throne because of what Christ has done. But we also need to remember that even though we do have that relationship, we need to remember who we're talking to. He is holy. We talked about the kingdom come, the, the, what is kingdom. Well, we praise God that the kingdom, we don't have to wait for the kingdom to when, when it's going to happen. We talked about that the kingdom is already near because the Holy Spirit is with us. And we see little kingdom uh, work being done on earth as it would be done in heaven. And it's a, such a blessing unto us. And today we're going to dive into verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. In this sermon series, we, we challenged our core members to, to teach the sermons. And uh, we're excited today that uh, Christina's going to bless us with the teaching on verse 11. So we're excited to hear from, from what God put on her heart. And I know it's going to be a blessing um, to everyone who hears it. So, Christina. I'm gonna, God bless you on your ministry. I'm going to open in prayer real quick again Amen. for myself. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word, learn it, and then bring out what you've been teaching us. Um, I pray for the words of my mouth and meditations in my heart to be pleasing to you and that nothing that you would not like me to say gets said today and that whatever your Holy Spirit has for each person would shine through my imperfection. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. So, I would ask for grace because I don't, I don't do this in front of people very often. Um... When I was looking over Matthew six eleven, something came to my mind. My nanny and my mother both love playing this song called One Day at a Time. Now the version I'm thinking of, oh, well, pray for them, that's going to. 
Um, the version this is going to is from Christy Lane in 1981. The chorus says, One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way, one day at a time. Um, before we get into the meat of it, I was getting some information from an author whose name is Zaidzorm Asafo, and they published something on the e-journal of religious and theological studies, and I was just looking up, you know, other people's work so I could understand what was going on. Um, they were talking about how important it is to bear in mind who the author is because they had kind of different audiences they were writing to, which I know pastors Max and Trisha have told us before, but it just is good to remember. So for Matthew, the book is kind of more aimed towards people that are maybe Greek-speaking Jewish Christians. I mean, clearly he is. Um, possible rabbinic knowledge, and they accommodated sayings of Jesus to the Jewish viewpoints. So the examples they gave were in Matthew... We ask God to give us today's sustenance, and it's enough. It'll suffice. In Luke, it's worded more like, ask God today to give us our sustenance even for tomorrow, which is yet to come. And to Jewish audiences, the asking things in advance like that would be more Gentile, Gentile or pagan for the Jewish mind, which I did not know. Um, Matthew 6, 26 to 34 there's no need to worry about tomorrow. Just ask for the present day. To be anxious for tomorrow is a demonstration of lack in faith, for the Lord will take care of tomorrow. Now that's, you know, people debate about this and what the importance of that is. But the truth of the matter is, the petition in both Gospels is one of total reliance on God for provision for one's physical needs. In Matthew, the request should be made each day. And in Luke, the request for tomorrow could also be made today. But Jesus showed us we can pray for future things. That's okay. And he encouraged the apostles to do so in Matthew 26, 39 to 44, in Gethsemane, and in 24, 20, speaking of the end times and fleeing to the mountains and all these things, right? So it's okay to do. It's just that for the Jewish mind who is learning the things of God from Jesus, it would have been more confusing. So, you know, sometimes people will use little nuances like this to say that the Bible's not true or different people wrote different things. And no, it was simply who we were writing to. There's just certain contextual things that were necessary for different people. So that was just cool for me to learn about. I hadn't even considered that. I mean, how often do we put them right alongside each other like that? And perhaps we should more often. So we move on to this repeating theme of manna, Okay. So Exodus 16, 4 through 5, ESV. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So, the bread would spoil if saved for the next day, every day, except the night before Sabbath. Because they couldn't gather, you know, that was part of the deal. We can't gather, it's the Sabbath day, keep it holy. So that was divine intervention, allowing them to do that. And we also see, like, he was testing them, whether they'll walk in the law or not. That's important. Which is something that when I was sharing my outline with Pastor Max and Trish, like, they were 
you know, emphasizing that a little bit, like, hey, that part's really important too. And I just, it hadn't jumped out at me like that. And part of that is because we are a people that kind of don't maybe talk about the law as often as it might be helpful to, you know, because Jesus came to fulfill the law. He's not like, free for all, don't worry about the law, right? Um, expression here for bread became synonymous with cake and food in general it was, as it was their basic form of food. So the same word is in Genesis 14 and 18 and 65, 25. So this, this word for them just became the normal word for food, God's provision of every type of food, which is really cool as well. Um, so going from there, more divine provision, and we can make this jump. Not only was he providing them with literal bread and food, but he was ultimately providing us with Jesus, right? John six twenty two through 58, and we're focusing on 32 to 35. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The word of God is food. We're dependent on it for daily revelation and the law. Jesus is the word made flesh. John 1.14 We live not by bread alone, but by every word of God. Matthew 4.4, 4, which is a quote of Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3, which is again, like we forget these connections sometimes. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So a personal prayer that I have been praying for a time now because of things God's been teaching me is give me today my daily fill of Christ. Because that's, for me, that is my daily bread. That is, you know, his, he is the word, it's the word of God, and it's him, his peace, his presence. And Matthew 6.34 says each day has trouble of its own. So I do try to stay in, in today. Of course, we pray for the future, but I try to stay in today, especially with the way that the world is. I just, I don't know what's happening tomorrow, let alone next week, next month, next year, you know. Desperation leads to dependence. And it says there, God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God doesn't change. The Bible says that, right? So it's amazing to me that we can forget that is the same God. He might still do that to you personally, allow you to go through some things, and let's see if you're going to keep his commands or not. Not that there isn't grace. Not that he won't provide a way for you in that. But there's that checkpoint. There's that check in your heart. And he, he does allow these things to happen to those he loves. He chastises those he loves. It's all these things in the Bible. His love is not our love. 
It's much deeper. It's much better. We're, we're trying, but we're just like painting one shade of a color that we haven't even seen. <laughs> it's what it feels like. And so sometimes the methods in that love may not make sense to us. But they are perfect and they are enough. And it is the way it needs to be. And so... Um, the desperation leading to dependence is a part that I really... <laughs> It just really hit deep this week. Um, I feel like I've been in a season for sure of learning to depend on God in a new way. But I also can look back and see that there's a lot of times in my life where that was happening that I didn't even realize. Um, One of those was growing up, we had uh, some issues with food stability in my house. We just... We were doing the best that we could, but various factors meant that one week we had groceries and one week we're having just rice with a bunch of seasonings in it again, and that's kind of what's going on. (laughs) And and not the good rice either, the instant rice. It was not a good time. Um, (laughs) um, And just realizing, like, the trust issues that gives you with your own money and Am I going to be okay? Are we taken care of? And we were having garage sales to pay for gas and stuff. I mean, it was it was pretty bad for a while there. And Pastor Trish had sent me something this week um, that I was thought was very interesting. I wanted to read it to you. Many Jews in Israel emigrated from countries where starvation was still a constant danger, and they considered bread to be a sacred thing. When a piece of bread falls on the ground, these Israelis rush to pick it up and kiss it just as they would kiss a holy book that fell on the ground, Nehemiah explained. Rather than defiling stale bread by throwing it in the trash, they leave it outside for poor people who are delighted to receive it, even if it's a little old. He explained these things, and I started noticing bread all over Jerusalem. Every day I noticed new bread on top of walls or hanging in plastic bags next to corner dumpsters. This reminded me how important praying for daily bread must have been when Yeshua taught the Avenue prayer and how applicable it is today for countless people around the world. I loved that because it reminded me when you're in need and someone offers you a loaf of bread or even a pack of crackers, that becomes the most beautiful thing you've seen. And the more you have, the less beautiful it looks the more picky you are. And the word of God to people who are starving, the gospel to people who desperately need it, is the most precious, beautiful thing. But for those of us who are maybe raised with it, or our culture is saturated with it, it may not look as precious. We can forget how precious that it is. So that really, that hit me. Um, Christ is our manna in the desert of this life, filled with difficulty and fear. Other food doesn't satisfy Sometimes you're craving, like, fake food. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I want something that's so overly processed. I'm like, why am I craving that? And I'll eat it, and then I'm still hungry. Like, that did absolutely nothing for me. I had it. And I feel like life is like that. Um, Success, achievement, dependencies on alcohol or drugs, all these things leave us unfulfilled, you know? And I don't say that lightly as as a chronic overachiever. <laughs> um, and someone that someone that definitely tried other things when I was younger that did not fix the issues that I had. You know, 
you try to self-medicate with things that are not going to help you. And it just reminds me of that instance where you're just like, oh, this bag of Cheetos sounds amazing. But then somehow you're full, but you're hungrier than you were before. It's just very confusing because it's not good food. It's not food that nourishes. It's just food that fills. It tries to fill the spaces, but it doesn't nourish you at all. Numbers 11, 4 through 6 says, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. That sounds just like your parents saying, we have food at home. (laughs) I don't want home food. But it's worse because they were enslaved. They're like, we want slave food. Like, what? To us, it's crazy. But yet we go there. We go there. We want the old stuff. I want the processed stuff. I want the fake stuff. Only to get there and be like, oh, yeah, this is why I don't eat this. (laughs) This gives me a stomachache. This gives me a headache. Wow. And then we come on our knees, you know, feeling really silly. I'm sorry, Lord. Just like everyone in the Bible. And that's why we need to read our Bible because we could easily put our name in a lot of those stories. We are the ones complaining. We are the ones forgetting, making false idols. Because we don't think it's enough. We forget it's enough. We forget. Thankfully, what gives me peace is that Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We can trust him to give us enough of himself for every day. We may want for physical things at times, but we will never run out of him or his grace. I think that part about him being the author and perfecter of faith is such a big deal to me because it says without faith it's impossible to please God, right? And that would always get to me because I'm like, well, I want to please God. I want to walk in his will. How do I have faith, you know? I'm like, God, help me. What do I do? What do I do? And then I find this verse again, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't work up my own faith. I have a literal author and perfecter of my faith. All I have to do is sit in that, lean into that. We try our best to follow his rules and commands, and he knows that we're going to mess up. But the key to that contentment is being content in Christ. I will be content in every circumstance. For him to be able to say, I have learned to be content with little and with much, that means he had to have little and have much. And that means that through it all, Christ had to be enough. Um, Most of us here know that in 2021, Jose and I lost a close friend to breast cancer. She was 33. Um, She embodied being content in her circumstance, but she had to fight for it. It doesn't come naturally. Contentment isn't just something that you find one morning. (laughs) 
it's it's having to have this radical acceptance and then allowing God to turn that into joy, to be content. Because I think sometimes we have this image of contentment being like a begrudging, yeah, okay, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> like, that's not what the Bible's talking about, you know? It's it's deeper than that. It's I know what my I know where my home is. I know this isn't it. I know that things are going to go wrong here and and the Bible even says we're going to have trials of many kinds, but that's okay because he's already overcome it. You know? And that's a part of give us this day our daily bread for me because it's a daily struggle for that contentment. And if we don't find that contentment, we, we, find our, we find our temporary fix in something else. Or we're striving after other things. It's always going to be something. For a lot of people, it's money. It's a promotion. It's, you know, let me get this award and then I'll be happy. Even though we know in 200 years, nobody remembers you or the award. You know, mm-hmm. it's silly. So, yeah, this really spoke to me this week. And I'm really thankful that we got to talk about this. And I hope that the Lord deposited something for all of you. And I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Max and Trish. Thank you, Christina, uh, for a great message. And uh, when you were speaking, what really hit me is this uh, ability of being content. It says daily uh, bread. When you you talked about how what God gives us, each every day we should be content in that because that's all that we need and paul talks about it like when you said content like right away uh, philippians 4 4 12 popped into my head where it says i know what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty i have learned the secrets of being content in any and every situation whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want and that's where the afterwards the famous verse comes. I can do all, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength, or I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. But the reason we can do that is because we're content in that, in that one thing that God has given us today, and that's what we have to uh, look at. And that's what we have to focus on. And and uh, in the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus even fin- finishes off about this this whole idea of content. Uh, when he talks about in the same chapter six, right at the end, when he when he talks about worrying about the clothes that you're gonna eat, that you're gonna have, or the food that you're gonna eat, and everything else, he says in thirty two says, "For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." So therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So our focus is seeking the kingdom first. That's where our daily bread comes from, right? We talked about the bread is the word of God. The bread is, is Christ Jesus himself. That's what we're focusing on. And that, so when that focus is there, that's where we can live in that content and be fulfilled because it's God and God himself is all that we need, right? Yes, and we see, we always like to tie in, you know, the scriptures, the continuity from the old to the new. And the hearers, obviously, as Christina mentioned, would have associated my daily bread with 
or our daily bread with the manna that God provided from mm-hmm. heaven and his daily provision that it was just enough for that day. Uh, but there's also a prayer in Proverbs 30, which uh, starting in verse 7 says, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And so this runs completely contrary. This sort of prayer, praying for our daily bread, praying for my daily bread, provision just enough for today so that we don't forget about God because we have too much wealth and too much riches that we get too comfortable mm-hmm. or that we fall into sin um, in order to try to struggle to survive. And that runs completely contrary to the health and wealth and prosperity mm-hmm. gospels that are so prevalent in the you know in the church today that we name it and claim it and ask for these you know promotions and success and all of this uh it runs contrary to the biblical principle of asking for enough you know that his grace is sufficient for us and what he provides for us is our provision for the day our daily needs uh, and that should be enough for us that we would not forget about him nor would we fall into sin Exactly. We we always got to remember uh, in James, I think James talks about, about this, our focus in verse uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 16 and 17. He says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like a shifting shadow. Every good and perfect thing is from above. So let's not look at all the material things that's in the world, but let's look at what came from the above. Like for Israelites, it was the manna, right? Mm-hmm. For us, it was Jesus, the Son of God. It was the Holy Spirit that came down from above. That is the good things. That is our daily bread. That is what we focus on each and every day. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, right? And as we just finish with the prayer of give us this day our daily bread, that we would just be learn to be content with today's daily provision, uh, with our daily bread for today, that today is enough. And tomorrow is not promised. Amen. 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 God bless you, Christina. Again, thank you for a great word. And uh, we're looking forward to keep going into the next verse. Be blessed. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.